Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we're going to wrap up our conversation on spirituality, talking about the the power of spiritual abuse, the power of spiritual abuse. I just want to start off by saying that like like any kind of abuse, spiritual abuse is all about power. It's just it's just about power, it's about having power over somebody, uh, manipulating them, to coercing them to believe the way they believe. I mean, you look at Jim Jones, what happened in Africa, he manipulated with used his power and his uh, charisma so to speak to manip- manipulate all those people to believe the way he believed and thus leading them all to his death, their their death. So, you know, it's it's just in in the last two episodes, you got to remember we talked about all abuses about having or using one's power of an over another to control and manipulate them. So, it, 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 all abuse is about power. Period. It, it has nothing to do with love. It has nothing to do with with sex. It has nothing to do with you know becoming a better Christian. Well, they're doing it for my own good. They're doing it because they believe in me. They, they're doing it because they want me to, you know, to excel in life. If, if you're not, if there's something in your stomach telling you it's not right, it's not right. Right. So it's abuse. And we've got to start calling things what it is. People don't want to look at it. Um, I was with a guy a couple of weeks ago. We were talking and he was asking me about addiction and I brought out some, some paperwork and read him 11 things that will identify you as having an addiction. And about every third one, he would stop me and he would start trying to uh, rationalize and, and w- what he was doing, how he was feeling, justify everything. I said, just, just stop, just listen to what's going on because everything that we're reading is fits you and everything we've talked about and it's okay. It's okay. Don't just come out of denial and, and, and face the fact that this is part of you and we need to work on it so you can move forward. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Okay? It doesn't mean you're a bad person. So it's like if you're being abused, call it what it is. Too often we don't want to talk about our parents or pastors or whatever it is that are abusing us because there's a thousand different reasons. I'll go into a couple of them a little bit later. Um so let's again, let's just remember that spiritual abuse is always, always about power. Okay, it's, a, it's just a big power issue with either your parents, your grandparents, your brothers, your aunts, your uncles, your pastors, your reverend, your priest, whatever. They're just trying to manipulate you and coerce you into believing the way they believe. Okay? In, in order for abuse to happen, by definition... It has to come from a place of a higher power to a place of lesser power. So if you're, if you're with your parents, your aunt and uncle, right, your grandparents, they're 
automatically in a place of power above you because of their seniority. You go to a church, the pastors, they're in a place of higher power if, if you want to look at it that way. Um, and so they're automatically above you looking down on you. The, the reality is, is whether you're a kid or not, there ain't nobody that's better than anybody. There's nobody that's got more power than another person. It's just a facade. They think they got more power because of a title that was given to them. I respect people. I don't respect titles because titles are just a title, and a lot of people have titles that don't deserve them. I'm just being flat-out honest about that. I mean, I know, I know clinical directors that have no more business being a clinical director than a dog does being a cat. Okay, so it, it's, it's all about power to get people that believe what you believe, okay? When, when, someone, when someone perpetrates that abuse from a position of power, the victim is vulnerable because if he does not comply with the abuser's demands, he fears that his spiritual and emotional needs and perhaps even his basic survival needs will not be met. And that has psychologically been proven, especially with kids. If only I was a better student, if only I looked better, if only I had not done this, if only I was prettier, if, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, I wouldn't be being abused. So it must be my fault. It can't be mom and dad's fault. It can't be my pastor's fault because they're a position of higher power. And if I say it's their fault and they get caught doing whatever, then I'm, am I going to lose my basic survival needs such as food, shelter, clothes, and love? It, it's real. It, 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 it's a real thing, right? And, and people go against some of their own beliefs, and sometimes going against your own beliefs is, is what you need to do, but in your own time. Like, for instance, for, for me, because of the spiritual abuse that I received growing up, and I turned my back on God and the church when I was 18 years old in 1975, and, and now I'm a pastor, but... What, what it took for me to get back right with God was I, had, I was running and gunning. I was, I was successful in life. I was doing all these things. And then when I got an Alcoholics Anonymous, and they said I, the God of my understanding. And again, the God of my understanding when I walked into AA was abusive. He raped me. He molested me. He beat me. He was vindictive, throwing lightning bolts at me. He was judgmental all the time. That's what I believe. Right? But nobody told me Randy, you have to believe in this God, like I was told when I was a young kid. So what that allowed me to do, and what I allow people to do, is I did, we just talk, right? I was allowed to research, if that's what you want to use, and, and talk to people about what, what is this God? I mean, what are all these beliefs? This happened to me, this pastor saying this, my mother and my stepfather— I was able to question all that. I, I mean, I'm being real vulnerable and honest. I looked at Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism. I looked at everything because I wanted to know the truth. I was never allowed to do that as a teenager growing up. Never. And what everything led me back to was my faith where I'm at now. The faith as a child that I had was, was a Christian, a born-again Christian. Yeah, we have our flaws. We're not perfect just like everybody else. Okay. But because I was allowed the opportunity to find the God of my understanding, which is a loving, kind, caring, compassionate, forgiving, uh, I, mean, I could go on and on and on with these affirmations, God, 
I probably never would have come back to God. When I walked back in church for the first time eight years ago at Destiny, nobody judged me. That was strange for me because the church I left, I'd been judged all the time. So we've got to be careful when we start perpetrating abuse or our, or our, our beliefs or our authority and coercing people to believe the way that we believe. You know, that's what I love about Destiny Church. We don't do that. We meet you where you're at. Hey, God's there. God's a gentleman. God didn't force his way into anybody's life. He certainly didn't force his way, way into mine. People at Destiny are of, of all, cre- I mean, all colors, all, all, all backgrounds. I mean, everything. There's no judgment whatsoever. And that is as it should be. You got long hair? Good. Come on in. You got tattoos? Good. Come on in. You just got out of prison? Good. Come on in. We want you here. We want you here. Would you, what would Jesus have done? Right? He would love them. We are to love others. That's, that's the, the number one most important commandment. Love others as ourselves and love Jesus Christ our Father. I'm paraphrasing. So this, this coercement and this, and this manipulation is, is a terrible abuse of, of religious power. If a victim of simultaneous sexual and spiritual abuse feels that if he or she does not give their power over to the abuse of spiritual leader, again, these basic survival needs will not be met. And for me, it's, it's when you're being sexually abused, when you're being physically abused harmfully, when you're being verbally abused and attacked, you're being spiritually abused. That's not, what, that's not what Christ would do. And there's nowhere in the Bible that, that Jesus Christ did this to children. Nowhere in there does it say that. Nowhere in there does it say that Jesus took a rod and beat some kid silly to make him be, you know, understand. It doesn't say that. In, in fact, the, um, he or she may even fear that his noncompliance or her noncompliance where the abuse will lead his his or her soul to burn in hell for eternity. And that's exactly what happened to this man right now, right here. I figured, you know what? According to what I've been told by my mother, my stepfather, and my church, my pastor, my youth pastors, I'm done. I got no chance to go to heaven. I've sinned too much. I'm going to burn in hell. So might as well go out with a bang and let's kiss Go out and live life to the fullest. Let's party all you want to party. Do what you want when you want to do it. Right? Build your business. I was successful. I have, I, I, I've always had a moral and, and, and ethic um, conscience. And I think we all do. But, and that's what kept me from crossing a lot of boundaries. Is those moral and ethic beliefs and, and compass that I had inside of me. I never did anything stupid. Besides drink a lot, that's pretty stupid. I worked hard all my life. I was always responsible. So, but I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna cave in to this this religious belief anymore. That you know, the only way you can make it to heaven is if you perfect all your life. Well, that's impossible because we're human beings. And but I know there are people out there that still believe that. And again, just tell me, show it to me in the Bible. 
our salvation is all that matters. Do we give our life to Jesus Christ or not? Are we following Jesus as our Lord and Savior? It's that simple. If we are, we've surrendered our life to him. We're still walking through life. We are still human beings. Now, that doesn't give us this right to, you know, innately go out and, and create, you know, heinous sins, which I don't think any of us do, but I know that some people might. But we're, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to trip. That doesn't mean we're going to go to hell. That's just the way I believe. And it's the way I've been taught, the way that I'm at peace with everything. I'm not worried about it anymore. I'm not worried about it. All too often, though, all too often, a spiritual abusive leader knows this and deliberately chooses to use his or her power against the victim. So they know that, you know, that, that noncompliance with abuse will lead his, uh, their, 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 their followers' soul to burn in hell. They know that they fear this. And so they use that against them. They use that as a way of manipulation. They use that as a way of power and, co- and coercement against their victims. No matter what one's personal beliefs are, spirituality is about an intimate connection with a, with a higher power, with God. No matter what one's beliefs are, spirituality. Not In my mind, we learned this in A. Religion is man-made. I can make up my own religion if I wanted to. I don't, But I don't want to. Because that's not what I'm about. I'm about what the Bible says. I'm about what Jesus did. But spirituality is God-given. Spirituality is God. Religion is man-made. Spirituality is God-given. It's that intimate connection with God. That's what spirituality is. It's having that really intimate connection with God. Not a tree, not a mountain, not the ocean. I know people are going to sit there and go, Randy, I don't know who you think you are. Well, I think I'm Randy, and I there's only one God. And the principles of AA were founded on the book of James, 1 Corinthians 13, and their philosophy was based on Sermon on the Mount. And the God they're talking about is God Yahweh, God the Father, God the Creator. You can get a book by Dick B. called The James Club. Read it. It's very interesting. It's got all the facts in it. It's got it's got some scripture quoted to a page, how, how, how a paragraph on a certain page matches that scripture. It's unbelievable. So there's only one higher power, and that's God. You do whatever you want. I'm not telling you what to choose. But I, a lot of people relapse. And I've been sober now 14 years by the grace of God only. And that's because about a weekend, I literally surrendered my life to God. I said, God, I can't do this no more. I can't do it without you. I need your help. And at that moment, my, my, my obsession to drink and use was gone. But I still had 38 years of pain I had to work through. And that's where God helped me. Not a tree. Not a tree. Not a mountain. Not a river, not an ocean. Believe me, those are great things. And I love them because it connects me with God. But it's not God. No one, no one, absolutely no one has a right to interfere with that relationship between you and God. 
No one has that uh, that 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 authority. If you're seeking, right? If you're if if you're searching and you want information and you're asking for it, yeah, then you know we're gonna give it to you. It's like my pastor taught me. He until people have given him permission to speak into their life, he won't. I mean, he, he's nice to him, but he's not just going to go up and say, hey, you know, I've, I've been seeing you out there in the bars. Maybe you ought to do something. No, if, 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 he, if he has not been asked to speak into your life, he won't do it. And I'm the same way. I'm the same way. My wife and I work with a lot of people, so we have a lot of people's permission. And so I don't want to see him fail. And because I have permission to speak into their life, I talk to him in a very lo- loving and kind way hey, you might want to think about some of the things you're doing because this is what I'm seeing. This has been the experience watching people that do this kind of thing. I'm just giving you some options and some observation. You do what you want to do. But I never walk away from anybody. I I don't care what they're doing. They they always know that, well, when you're ready, I'm back here for you. I'm not judging them. They want space, give them the space. Let them have it. Love them through the whole process, though. It's very important that we love them through the whole process. Whenever anyone gets between an individual and, and God, or his, and God, attempting to impose beliefs on that individual, that individual's inner knowing, the person in a position of lower power has the right to ignore it. Okay? You have the right to ignore it, right? People, people are gonna no matter what. They're always gonna come up to you, and they're gonna wanna, ins- they're gonna wanna try to um, instill some stuff in you that you that that you don't agree with, and, and that's okay. You don't have to be rude about it. It happens to me all the time. It's like, wow, I never thought about it that way. Maybe I'll give that some thought. You know, if they get, if they're rude, then then I'll address it a different way in a loving way. But hey. Just in a lot of ways, when you do that, say, "Hmm, you know, I, I never thought about things that way. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give that some thought." And you, and you just, we'll continue this conversation maybe at a later date. And you walk away. They just won the conversation. You don't even know it. They don't even know it. It's, it's okay. It's okay to agree to disagree. And you can do that in a kind way because you didn't tell that person that you agreed or disagreed. You said, "I never thought about it that way." Does that mean you're going to think about it? Well, you might. You might not. But it's just another option. Okay? You don't have to engage with everybody that comes up to you and wants to throw their opinion on you unless you've asked for it. You know, so it, it's it's a fine line you're walking, but it's your life. And, and I know what I want for you. I know what my wife wants for for you, I know what we want for our couples. I know what my pastor wants for his congregation. He just wants everybody to have a good life. He wants everybody to love Jesus, love their city. There's one other one I forgot it was, but but that he wants everybody just to love each other and have a good life. We're gonna struggle, and it's not because we're not praying enough. It's not because we don't have enough faith. It's not because we're not grateful enough. Sometimes we just flat struggle. All right? Yeah. Well, you're not believing in God enough. Who says I'm not believing in God? Do you know that? That's your, that's your opinion. I do believe in God. 
right? But I still struggle. And sometimes these struggles that we all have are times of learning. I, I believe that we go through them on purpose. God wants to see how we're going to come out. You say you trust me, Randy, but do you? Let's see. You know, I mean, you, you just got to think about things different. Have an open mind. Be willing, open-minded and willing to look at that. To look at things differently. We all know right from wrong, good from bad, moral from immoral behavior. But it seems that the people who are the most likely, this is, this is important, the most likely to commit sins are those who are also the most likely to cite religious laws in order to, in order to justify the manipulation of others. Now, I won't say I won't say all. There's big big thumpers and there's Bible thumpers, right? And most of them, especially in the big book thumpers, can quote the big book inside and out, upside and down, left to right. I mean, every which way they can, they know that big book. But the minute they walk out of room, what they're talking about goes right out the window. Same thing with church and Bible thumpers, all the time. Believe me, some some of the some of the, 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 the most theological people or perceived theological people that I've ran across are guys just getting out of prison. And, and, and I love it. I mean, they get out of prison, they, come, they, they get out, they go through treatment, they're doing what they got to do, they're talking to everybody about the gospel. The minute they get out of treatment, they forget about all that and they're right back in the joint. I had one guy that I was working with and I said, hey, man, do me a favor. You are so good with these guys and, and, and talking to them about the Scripture and talking to them about God. You're so good with them. Just do me a favor when you get out of here. Keep it up. Don't just be playing the game while you're in here, like you were in prison, now you're in here, just until you get out. And when did you know it? He ended up back in the joint less than a month. You know, the, guy, the guy's got a great heart. I mean... But that's just the way it is. So I always say, and that's on my part, hypocrisy kills, it's just, it's my worst nightmare. I hate people that are hypocritic. And I know we're all hypocritical. I understand that. But there's this level of hypocrisy that's over and above the top that I just despise. And I, and I, I work on it every single day. So we got, we got to be really careful. And are we walking the talk that we're showing people? Says I always tell people, walk out the door and watch me. Find me, find me in my community, and watch me. Don't even tell me; just watch me. You'll see that everything I talk about here, I practice in the community. Am, am I perfect? No, I'm not an angel. I'm not a saint. We all fall, but for the most part, what I say, my my walk, matches my talk. The Bible says, obey your father and mother as you would your God. And a parent uses that to justify beating a disobedient child. Then that parent is using the child's beliefs to manipulate him. Or that parent is using the, the, uh, the parents, really. He's, he's using the, the belief that you are to obey your father and mother as, as you would your God. So the, the, the child's going to believe that. I guess I must have done something wrong 
because I'm getting beat again. All right. In my experience, in my experience, okay, the louder someone shouts that he is a good Christian, a good Catholic, a good Muslim, a good Buddhist, a good Jew, or a good whatever, the more likely it is that he or she is desperately trying to hide their own sins. Example was my mother and my stepfather, deacon of the church, member of the choir, and our pastor. Perfect examples, and there's plenty of other examples out there. Look at me and how important I am. Look at me up here, you know, raising my hands and, and, and praising God. But what they don't see is the minute they walk out of church, what they're doing behind closed doors of their home or doing to their wife, so on and so forth. And I'm not talking a one onesie or twosie thing. I'm talking a very consistent, consistent pattern of abuse. So we've got to be careful. We have to stand up for us. The reality is that nobody else is going to do it. And that's why I do what I do because I, I like to ruffle feathers, so to speak, because nobody else will stand up for kids, teenagers, adults. Nobody. No, you know, there's countless, probably hundreds of thousands of men out there that have no voice because it was taken from them as kid. But some of these um, abusive patterns that, that, that were displayed upon them, whatever it was. So we have to be... We have to we have to walk our talk. That's the worst thing you can do is open your mouth about the way you are, and then somebody sees you out in public, and you're completely the opposite. Or your children look at you, and go, "What are you talking about? How can you get up there and say all this with what you do to me? How can you how can you get up there and say this when you go home and you drink every night, and you beat mom, but you come here to church and you sit there and act all holier than now? That, I'm telling you, we're not perfect." But do you want to know what's wrong with the children today? Stuff like that. Seeing parents act like that. Remember that a truly spiritual person, now I'm not saying religion, remember, but not a, not a truly religious person, but a truly spiritual person, person tends to be quiet about his spirituality. We don't have to talk about it. I, I, I don't, I'm not on the street talking about it. It's my actions. You know, my Outside of the church, I have a group of friends that my wife and I, we hang out. And we love hanging out with them. There's my cycling my cycling friends. They're all married. They all, some of them drink. I don't care. You know, they're not, they're not out of control. They're a lot of fun people. They know what I do, and they know who I am. And they, they accept me, and I accept them, and there's no judgment. And we just have fun together. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to quit living life, and my job is to win the souls of others to Christ, well, am, am I winning their souls? I don't know, likely, because they know who I am and what I do and how I treat them. So it's not always what we say, it's more what we do, how we act. Are we there for people when they're hurting? Can we be there unconditionally? Is, it, is, it, is our motive when we do that What's our motive when we do that? That's the thing. What's our motive when we want to help people? Is it to get something back? Or is it just strictly to help? There's a big, big difference. Big, big difference. 
you know, he or she rarely tells other people what they should or should not do. Since uh, he's more interested in the kindness of goodness than in the laws and the rules. So a person that's, that's truly spiritual, that's truly spiritual, right? rarely, rarely, if ever, tells people what they should or should not do. I don't do that. When I'm dealing with the alcoholics or addicts or people that are struggling with different kinds of, of addictions or trauma, I rarely tell them what they should do. It's only after traveling with them for quite some time and and that they will ask me. And then maybe on occasion I tell them what they should be doing because it's right in front of them and oftentimes they can't see it. And I always pose the question, what, you know, what, what do you think you could have done differently? And sometimes they just don't know. So it's never, well, you should have done it this way. You know, if you would have just done it the way I told you in the first time, None of this would have happened. Do you think they need to be shamed anymore? No. They already feel shameful enough with what they did. Let's not shame them. Let's give that up. Let's love them back to life. Let's guide them back to life. Often, a victimized victimized child experiences his life as already one of eternal hell. So oftentimes, I mean, we're living in hell. It's like people say, Randy, are you afraid to die? Are you afraid of hell? I go, no, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. Number one, I have a reason why I'm not because I've already experienced it one. And I've been, I lived in hell for 38 years, longer probably than 38 years. I lived in, in, in hell once from the day my father died. I lived in hell at that house every day. What's going to happen tonight? Who's gonna Who's gonna upset my stepfather and I? What's he gonna want to be doing tonight? You know, is he gonna Is he gonna be smacking my mom around? Is he gonna smack me around? Is he gonna sexually abuse me? What's What's gonna happen tonight? Constant state of hell. And then I, you know, towards the end of my addiction, I, it was I lived in hell. I know what hell's like, and it's not fun. It's miserable, tormenting, torture. And living in that internal hell can often cause us to reinforce the false belief that we that we are uh, inherently bad, and that at some level the abuse, the abuse, is our own fault. Again, go back to if only I was better. If only I would have done this. If only I would have done that. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna end this with this spiritual. Abuse checklist. This is pretty interesting. Um, Spiritual abuse checklist. One, do leaders in your church require you to consult with them before you make any significant decisions? Do you find yourself periodically questioning your spirituality or standing with God? Three, Have you been preoccupied with checking out others in the congregation to see who is living up to the rules and who isn't? Four, are rules and standards that are not explicitly mentioned in the standard religious texts considered as coming from God with your salvation or spirituality linked to following them? 
Are your are minor actions such as cutting or not cutting your hair indications of your spirituality? That, that that right there, what's that have to do with spirituality? I mean, Jesus had long hair. Disciples, probably half of them had long hair. They had beards. I mean, think about it. Has the initial joy you felt when you first found your spiritual leader, group, or church been replaced by worry and anxiety? Do you often feel that you're not doing enough or are not good enough to live up to what is expected of you by your spiritual leaders? Do sermons or meetings uplift you and give you strength, or do you feel sad, discouraged, or depressed afterwards? Has your view of God changed so that you so that you now see him as a harsh taskmaster, eagerly waiting for you to mess up so that he can chastise you or cut you entirely out of the group? That is a checklist for spiritual abuse. And that last one, that last one is what got me when I was a kid because I was enjoying the, the youth group, playing guitar, all the things we used to do. I felt important with that youth, that youth group, and it all went away. Has your view of God changed so that you now see him as a harsh taskmaster? That's what happened to me. Eagerly waiting for you to mess up. I might as well just go out because he doesn't really matter, man. I peed behind a bush last week in my neighbor's yard, Right? I'm going to burn in hell. I mean, he's got He's looking at everything I do so that he can chastise you or cut you entirely out of the group. And basically, be honest with you, that's what my youth pastor did when I was 18. He called to check on me. I said, Tomer, just do me a favor. I just need a little time to figure some things out. And please, whatever you do, he was a good friend. We surfed together. He taught me to snow ski. We did a lot of things together. Please don't quit being my friend at this point in time. And he slammed the door on my face. It was over with. So that, my friends, is why I, at that point, said that's enough. If this is what God and the church is about, then I want absolutely nothing to do with it from this point forward. So you can find out more about this topic um, in my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, Healing the Wounded Child Within. It's in paperback, Kindle, and audio book on Amazon. I also have a 30-day devotional to wholeness and a seven-day challenge, which goes with my book. Um, It's a seven-day challenge workbook, and those are all available also on Amazon. I also do uh, life coaching slash counseling. We work, uh, my wife and I do marriage counseling together. We got a lot of couples that we worked with. I am Simba certified saving your marriage before it starts. It's a great assessment test. It has nothing to do with psychology. It all has to do with life. And it's about it's about 99.9% accurate. Every one of our couples, just, they can't believe how much it helps them. Even if you've been married for a while, we've used it on our, our, our married couples that have been married. And they have got a whole nother insight in their marriage because of it. I also, of course, work with addictions, abuse, inner healing, and, of course, the spiritual abuse, too. So all, all forms of abuse. You can check out my website, changeyourlifestorynow.com, changeyourlifestorynow.com. You go on there, you can see all the packages I offer. Uh, Kathy and I also, I also perform weddings, small weddings. Kathy will help coordinate it. My wife will help coordinate it. 
We have our workshops coming up. Actually, my June 13th workshop, we just postponed because of all this coronavirus stuff. Uh, we're going to postpone it until the end of July, beginning of August. Hopefully by then we should be able to convene in a facility where we can all get together and, and, and do these workshops. I'm thinking that that's going to be possible. And uh, we're also looking at the possibility of doing websites. Hey, visit, visit our CourageousHealers.org website, please, CourageousHealers.org. You can see what we're doing there. Uh, we are looking for donations. I, the foundation can't operate on its own. We've got a simple button at the very first page. Just press the donate button. You can donate a uh, one-time donation. You can set yourself up on a monthly donation, whatever you'd like to do. Whether it's $5 a month or $5,000 a month, it does. We're grateful for whatever whatever you could you could help us with. We're working on growing the foundation. We want to be able to hold more workshops and uh, help more people. So, thank you for joining me today. Oh, we are a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization, so therefore your contributions will be tax deductible. All of them will be tax deductible. And if you want more information about the foundation, you can look on the website, like I said, but also contact me. Personally, through my email, CourageousHealers at gmail.com. And I will send you a uh, um, business plan and with a strategic plan and everything in it so you can take a look at what we're doing. Okay? So remember, if nobody loves you today, Randy does. More importantly, God does. Everybody be blessed. Have a great week. And I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.